Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Are you ready for the best real estate investing advice ever? Join Joe Fairless and today's successful real estate professional as they share it with you. Let's go. A quick word from our sponsor, The Door Devil. Homeowners spend hundreds on alarm systems each year, but rarely reinforce the weakest point on the home, the doors. Bad guys know this, and that's why kick-ins are so common. Simply adding door devils virtually eliminates the home security gap. Sleep better tonight. Reinforce your doors. Visit doordevil.com and enter best ever to get an exclusive 20% discount on your purchase. Hello, Best Ever listeners. Welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever show. I'm Joe Fairless, and I'm here with today's guest, Matt Owens. Hello, Matt. Hey, what's going on, Joe? How's it going? Great, great. And I'm excited to have you on the show. You've done a radio show, you mentioned to me, you've done a radio show in the past. So the expectations for you are incredibly high. <laughs> no, no pressure slash a lot of pressure. So I hope you're ready. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> a little bit about Matt before he gets into his background in more detail. He has a portfolio of over 350 homes. He invests in uh, the the South and the Midwest um, in particular, and you can get into uh, more detail, but uh, Memphis and Atlanta seem to be your primary markets. Uh, you're a licensed, licensed CPA founder of OCG Properties, and right now, as we are airing this show, you're buying between 5 to 10 properties a month in Memphis and Atlanta. I mean, that's incredible volume, at least that is to me. Um, so really excited to have you on the show and share with the best ever listeners your best real estate investing advice ever. With that being said, can you tell them a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Uh, absolutely, Joe. That's not a problem. Um, so just to give you that that full background, I, I am a licensed CPA. Um, I started out actually uh, doing audits and tax service for um, very large real estate clients within those CPA firms. And I realized I was sitting on the wrong side of the table and I should be investing in real estate. Um, when you listen to these guys buying multi-million dollar buildings without thinking about it, fully and just trusting their advisors and going forward. It's pretty amazing what the, you know, what the upside potential can be. But um, I actually started uh, probably about eight years ago investing full-time in real estate. 
uh, after taking some different real estate e- education courses and things like that. And since then, I've, I've flipped over 350 houses. I do different buy and hold type investments. I syndicate investments. Um, I, I do flips to international clients as well as do joint venture holds and multifamily investments. I also invest with other people, which is important to diversify your, your overall po- portfolio. Um, so it's it's a lot of fun doing this. It's I feel like I'm alive versus you know dealing with uh, uh, working for somebody else and working for a CPA firm. It's it's pretty amazing what the capabilities are. From flipping to syndication to flipping to international investors, what takes up the majority of your time? I imagine it ties into the whole buying five to ten properties a month in Memphis and Atlanta, correct? Yes, definitely. So, I mean, th- that property system is is up and running. Um, I do do over- oversee that process as well, uh, but I have a, have it very much um, streamlined at this point to where uh, I don't have to do a significant amount of work involved in the actual acquisition process, the renovation process, or the property management process. I'm able to go through and actually just raise capital, work with investors, find new deals, and things like that. And then at the same time, I spend a lot of time sitting down with different investors that I meet, trying to teach them the different strategies, because as I teach them, they become become resources for me and we can work together on different avenues. And I show them the different options that are available for them um, throughout the whole stream of things, because there's never a one size fits all approach. But you know, I found most investors want a passive cash flow stream, whether they're flipping or they're starting off holding. Their entire goal seems to be to cover all their monthly expenses with cash flow, which I think is the goal for everybody. And, you know, it's it's interesting how many ways you can go about doing that. Let's get specific about Memphis for for one minute. No You're problem. buying multiple homes. Your company is buying multiple homes in Memphis every month. How is the company finding this many leads on a regular basis that pan out? And what's the what's a business model around one of those properties? Okay, so specifically, what we do is we've developed relationships with a lot of different referral sources to properties over um, the last eight years, and we've basically gone through and we have lists of different properties being sent to us from banks, from realtors, from different referral agents and, and wholesalers. We have a, a ton of different properties coming to us from a lot of sources. And we have to analyze probably about 100 properties a week in order to pick up five to 10 a month. And so we have a system set up where we know what our numbers are. We know what our typical renovation costs are, um, depending on. And then we go through and we have systems in place where um, we have our renovation manager and our teams on the ground in Memphis go buy those properties, give us preliminary renovation estimates. And then at the same time, once we get under contract, we get full renovation estimates on everything. And then we set up our system for closing, rehabbing, and then turning it over to, to management to be able to um, tenant it. So, I mean, it, it's a it, we rely very much on our teams to get that done, but we have that process in place where we are constantly getting leads in, constantly going through and renovating and raising capital for those types of investments as well. When you look initially at a home that is presented to you, one of the 100 homes that you look at, what are the high level qualifiers that you try and identify? 
Okay. Well, the first thing I try to look for is any value add opportunity. So like on a multifamily, for example, it's really important to be able to see where the rents are and where they should be and what renovation needs to be done. You know, you're looking at all the different factors involved to see um, how much this property is going to make in monthly cash flow and how much you can make it make in the future. Because that is really the, the true determination of value is how much money it's making you on a monthly basis. So if it's making you right now 8% on your money, but you can go and put renovation in it, re increase rents, and make it make you 12% on your money, then with an all-cash investment or something, then it's really interesting what that does, not only for your own cash flow, but for the value of that property too, because those multifamilies are priced based on values. Same thing with the single family homes. We actually go through and look at what the rents are comparative to the cost. And that's and, and the, the total cost involved is not just purchase and renovation. There's a lot of little auxiliary costs in there as well, like interest and closing costs and insurance and things like that. And so we look at our total cost to the rents to see um, what our what our best analysis is and what the market value is of that property to determine if we'll have a good exit strategy on it if we wanted to sell it versus hold on to it for that cash flow. What percentage of the properties that you close on now are long term buy and holds for you or your company, and what percentage are you flipping? I probably hold about twenty five percent of them, and then I flip the other um, seventy five percent. But going forward, I've been able to develop a, a, a pretty good pool of capital for myself um, and a good equity base. And so now I'm actually starting to focus a lot more on the buy and hold strategy uh, with different investors and doing joint ventures with them and buying some multifamily deals as well as keeping my flip system in place. Um, because it's always great to constantly move your money and have that flip system. And I do seller financing as well on a lot of my investments. So um, I actually invest in notes as well. So I have a pool of notes that I own that I get cash flow from too, which is another form of buy and holding, holding property. Based on your experience as a licensed CPA, as someone whose company is actively acquiring and holding on to a percentage of the properties and flipping the rest, investing in notes, and I'm going to even throw in having a radio show on a monthly basis in the past. <laughs> what is your best real estate investing advice ever? You know, I, I, I'd say, you know, all, all things considered, if I'm talking with an, an investor that is trying to invest in, in real estate, I'd say there's, there's five key factors that they should really focus on. And I'll just basically bring them up one by one. I won't get into detail. But the first one is your team. If you don't have a good team, you're dead in the water before you start. You need to make sure that you have a CPA, an attorney, a um, an advisor in real estate, lenders, you know, uh, re realtors, all the different types of team members you need. Property managers are extremely important. That's actually one of the points on here. If you don't have good property management, you have a major issue as well. You need to make sure that you test your management companies. Um, the third point is due diligence and uh, having a good return on investment on your investment. Make sure you know your numbers in detail and you know how much you're going to make and you have a complete due diligence checklist taken care of. I see so many investors not doing their homework on their deals and then trying to push the numbers to make it so that it works. If the numbers don't work, the numbers don't work. Uh, I've also found for the fourth point, uh, structuring your deals and learning how to structure deals is one of the most important aspects 
of being a, a, a prudent real estate investor, finding ways of structuring deals where there may not be a deal there to be found in other ways um, is, is really interesting because you can create deals out of your structures. Um, and the last thing is learning how to raise capital. And the way you do that is you educate and you show investors how they're protected on their investments because most investors don't have the education that you'll have by being a full-time investor and investing full-time. So it's important to teach those other investors how to protect themselves. Um, and by doing that, you, you can probably raise all the money you need because you're able to, to show somebody something that they're not and uh, that they don't know already and, and raise that capital for your deals. So Boy, I, I love that those five factors that you mentioned. Let's focus on four and five because knowing how to structure deals is something that I've personally come across. And um, there have been a couple deals that I've done where – one of them was on the market for about two years, but it was on LoopNet because there was a large prepayment penalty on the property, and it's also called a defeasance, as you know, and uh, everybody stayed away from it because they didn't want to trigger this million-dollar prepayment penalty. Well, mm -hmm. we came in and we did a mass release with option to purchase. It didn't trigger the prepayment penalty. We got approval from the lender uh, to make that happen. And now we're controlling the property. Uh, we're capitalizing on the amortization, and we're making the cash flow between now and whenever the master lease ends. So, what are what are some ways? Uh, and then we'll get into the fifth point. Um, but on the fourth, knowing how to structure deals, what's an example of that you've what's an example that you've experienced of structuring a deal where there wasn't a deal on the surface? Okay. So just to give you a, a quick example on a single family home. Okay. Um, someone's trying to sell a property for above market value. Um, say, say a property is worth, uh, you know, $200,000 or $300,000 and, um, and they're trying to sell it for three fifty. Okay. And you're, you know, you're looking at the property saying you're not going to be able to buy this property and flip it, or you're not going to be able to buy this property and even hold it for any kind of cash flow because it's upside down. It doesn't make sense. And, you know, it's interesting. There's ways, there's other ways of structuring this where, you know, sometimes there's people that are willing to do seller financing on transactions if they know that it's been sitting on the market for a while, they can't get things sold. So, they, you know, there's instances where you could go and make an offer to someone that says, okay, I'll give you your $350,000 price, but I want it amortized over 30 years with a balloon payment or with a balloon due in 10 um, at a 1.5% interest rate. Okay. Now, if you did that at a 1.5% interest rate, your, and, and, you know, to be, to be fair, um, they're getting their price, which a lot of times people actually focus on a lot more than the rate when they may put their money in the bank and make, you know, 1% or less right now on their money. And so you could actually have an equivalent monthly payment of, say, a $250,000 purchase price instead of three fifty dollars um, on, that, on that actual note and be able to make that property cash flow then and create a cash flow stream for yourself for a 10-year period of time. You know, that's one quick example. Um, seller financing is one of the best strategies to utilize 
um, if you can to structure your deals because you can actually do things like not have to pay down payments on on properties. You can go through and um, and find uh, ways to sell your property and through through different seller financing strategies. Um, there's also other different things that are really important. Like if you want to go buy a big multifamily deal for say 300 plus units and your down payment on that building might be a couple million dollars. There's ways to syndicate. So you structure it as an LLC um, and you have investors buy, buy shares in that LLC and you, you're pooling investors capital together to pool together to purchase like a big building like that. And uh, you get traditional bank financing for it. And you can even raise the investor money for the renovation costs and things like that to improve the property. So there's a lot of different structuring components that you can do creatively to acquire assets, sell assets, as well as, you know, buy much bigger buildings than you would ever think possible um, based on, you know, your, your current realm of understanding. And on the fifth point, learn how to educate and that leads to raising money whether intentionally or unintentionally, I've seen that happen in my life as well, where I was working in advertising on the side. I was doing some classes on how to, you know, teaching people exactly what I was doing. I was investing in single family homes, living in New York City, but investing in other places nice. at the time. And I had a couple of my now investors who invest with me on large multifamily properties attend those classes. And I had no intention of ever re ever raising a penny in my life during real estate. I thought I would keep my full-time job, make the money, and invest my own money and grow my real estate that way. But, you know, life changed, and I decided I needed to, you know, step out and do my own thing. Um, and that was, that was directly tied into me raising money, and I didn't know that at the time. So I love that you mentioned that fifth factor. Have you noticed that with your career as well? Absolutely. And one of the biggest mistakes I made in the very beginning was relying on banks for financing and not learning how to raise private capital. Um, and, you know, once you teach investors where their risks are and how you mitigate those risks specifically, and honestly, how much safer they are than, you know, these real estate type investments can be than the stock market or mutual funds and things like that, then and, and educate them on those different aspects, then it becomes almost easy to raise capital because you've provided so much value for them and just help them not expecting anything in return. And at that point, the trust is built and people will invest with you if you teach them those different aspects. Like if you're lending money on a property, you should have a deed of trust against that property, a promissory note that's, you know, with that's written by your attorney, um, an assignment as a rents and leases, you want to have the uh, insurance basically put as a loss pay on the insurance policy, title insurance, uh, lender's title insurance, uh, even do a full background check. There's a lot of different due diligence aspects that if you show other investors what you do for your homework on your deals and how you're protecting them by doing that homework, it, it, it enlightens them to understand everything involved. And then at that point, it's pretty easy to raise the capital. <laughs> Absolutely. And what I've realized is when you lead with the risks and how you're going to mitigate the risks, the most experienced investors are going to perk up 
because they really like to hear that. Uh, if I'm sure a lot of the best ever listeners have watched Shark Tank, as I do uh, religiously. And one of the things that you'll find is they initially want to know what are the risks involved, how are you going to protect my money, and then what's the upside. So with real estate, leading with, okay, here, here's the risks. Here's how I'm going, how, how I'm, as you said, mitigating those risk factors because there's risk in anything and something could happen where the money goes away. But uh, here are the, here's the scenarios where we're going to try and mitigate that. Um, and then here's the upside. And uh, that, that's, that's an incredibly effective way of approaching those conversations, even if you don't have something that you're raising money for, but you're just, like you said, educating them. Matt, are right. you ready for the best ever lightning round? Yeah, no problem. Just go ahead and shoot. <laughs> All right. Best ever book you've read? I'd have to say The the Creature from Jekyll Island. Uh, it's called A Second Look at the Federal Reserve. Um, the author is G. Edward Griffin. It's actually an amazing book. Um, it talks about the formation of the Federal Reserve. And I really feel that if you're a prudent investor, it's very important to understand how monetary policy and um, money works in this country. Um, a couple of the other books I think are amazing are uh, Thinking Grow Rich, the 1926 version. Um, there's a shorter version now that actually takes out a lot of the key points that I think it's important to get the the original. Uh, and then, of course, as we all know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. <laughs> well, you didn't so. list just one. You're supposed to live your best ever book, not the three you know, pretty good books. <laughs> I can't help it. Rich Dad, Poor Dad made me quit my CPA firm job. Thinking Grow Rich, you know, gave me the most confidence <laughs> I think I've ever had. And, you know, the other one, the creature from Jekyll Island, he just really enlightened me to the how, how monetary money works. You know. All right. All right. All right. Well, I'll give you a pass on that one. <laughs> Best ever personal growth experience and what you've learned from it. You can only pick one. Okay, no problem. <laughs> um, you know, honestly, not knowing the current market cycles uh, and, you know, and relying on those banks in the meantime. So the market cycles is very, very important to, to know where you're at in the market so you can see the changes coming because as you to be an important real estate investor, you have to see those changes coming. What is the best way for you to determine where the market is in its cycle? You know, there's a lot of different uh, statistics out there. You don't listen to any of the media reports. What it's important to do is, is actually try to find the data, which is you're looking at the affordability index in the market. You're watching the cycle and seeing what's housing, what's happening with the housing price indexes. You're looking at what the job growth capabilities are. Um, you're, you're following a lot of those key charts very closely so that you can understand where we're at. And you're talking to other people in the field as well to see what the feeling is, what's going on with sales in the market, you know, so and how long things have been on the market for sale. So it's a lot of key factors. It's almost like doing an appraisal. It's more of an art than a science. <laughs> if, if I gave you a million dollars, but five minutes to give your best uh, do your mo best research on where a market is in its cycle. Where do you spend your five minutes determining that? Oh, I, 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 those those exact factors that I talked about, I would have you to. You can explore. find all that in five minutes. No, I can't. It's okay. not possible. You you can't do it in five minutes. <laughs> it takes 
it takes months and months of study over time where you're paying attention over time. I don't think it's possible to do it in five minutes. You're missing so, out on a million dollars. I'm going to put it back yeah, in my pocket. <laughs> It's a it's a tough task. I wish I could do it, but it's not possible. You know, <laughs> I, I would say look at the affordability index and time on the market for properties and the supply and demand uh, in that specific market. Best ever success habit you practice? Um, I'd say reading and always be learning. You know, constantly think about the future and expand your knowledge base. I can tell you when I learned how to do seller financing, my entire business changed in a weekend from learning. And so you add new weapons to the fire every time you uh, learn something new. And it's pretty amazing how much income you can make by by changing things and, and moving forward in different directions. Best ever deal you've done? Um, the, the most recent one was I bought 26 duplexes for about 2.6 million. And I sold all of them except for the four that I'm holding in about six months. So, um, and I sold them individually. They cash flowed really well. I made a pretty good profit on all of them, and uh, that was that was a great deal. So, you bought them for two point six, mm-hmm. and I sold them for maybe one forty to one fifty each. Afterwards, after renovation, they didn't need a whole lot of renovation. Maybe five to seven grand each. Got it, got it. So you've made probably like four hundred, five hundred thousand on it. Yeah, easily. And over what period of time? Um, over a six month period. That's great. Yeah, it's. I mean, it was not easy, but at the same time, it was. It, it sounds like it was worth it. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Best ever quote. <laughs> You're gonna laugh, but uh, I have a favorite quote. Um, I got advice from my father. All he told me was this, get off your ass if you plan to be rich. And you're never going to guess who that's from. <laughs> it's uh, Tupac. <laughs> oh, nice. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it, it's, it's very uh, candid and true. I agree. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it, helps, it helps motivate me when I'm uh, think, being lazy. <laughs> absolutely i think uh 50 cent would agree with tupac on that because i know yeah really <laughs> what 50 cent says something like sleeps for the poor people right <laughs> it's hilarious matt what's the best ever place to reach you oh um you can reach me at my on my email at mpo at ocgproperties.com or you can go to my website at ocgproperties.com either way all right. Well, thank you very much, Matt. This has been nice conversation. I really enjoyed catching up with you. And I know that the five factors to success in real estate that you mentioned will will be of value to the best ever listeners uh, from, like you said, building the right team, having the right management, doing the right due diligence, having a checklist during due diligence, knowing how to structure deals and learning how to educate so that that can lead to greater things. Or if at minimum, it's just reinforcing in your mind what you already know and it's furthering your knowledge on the subject. So thank you so much for spending the time with us and uh, we'll talk to you soon. No problem. Thanks. All right. Bye. Bye.
Hey, you, best ever listener, do you want more? Then head to joefairless.com, where there are tons of free videos, templates, and content to help you get deals done. And if you want Joe to personally help you reach your goals, then go to the Work with Joe tab on joefairless.com and apply to, well, Work with Joe.